Good morning. Praise Jesus. Man, today we're going to talk about some, some heart issues. About following God and about doing what we think is right versus what we know is right. The art of hearing God's voice versus just going with my own passions and my own desires. Um, how dangerous it can be. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about what it really means to follow God and what it what our purpose is really what our design is you know um, you know when it comes down to our purpose in life it can be described like a construction site you know you got your building you're building a house and what you are is you are either a hammer or you're a screwdriver Or nail gun, or saw. Okay, each one of these tools has a specific purpose, but its main purpose is to build the house. Okay, so your purpose. Your, your, the, the hammer's purpose is to build the house. The screwdriver's purpose is to build the house. The saw's purpose is to build the house. This is your broad purpose. When you're in the body of Christ, everybody has one purpose. One purpose, and that's to build the house. Seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, but here's what happens. <clears throat> Let's say you start frustrating your purpose. Let's say, you know, a, a hammer decides to try and row a boat. Right? <laughs> Something totally different from its design and its purpose. It becomes very frustrated, you know? There's no, there's no way to, now these, these are pretty sturdy, you know, probably a better illustration would be if I took a, a China bowl and tried to hammer in a nail, you know, if I tried to take this, this cup and tried to start hammering nails in a building, I would be frustrating the purpose of that, of that vessel, right? And it would get cracked, it would get broken. And just simply because it's not being used the way it was designed to be used. Yeah. So you are created with a purpose and a design. And it can be described much like dishes in a house are created to serve food. But each dish has a different purpose inside the serving of food. You see? While all the dishes were meant to serve food, only some dishes are meant to hold coffee. And some dishes are meant to scoop up rice. 
And some dishes are meant to cut up steak. But they all serve one purpose, which is to serve food. To serve nourishment. You see what I mean? Um, and so here's what happens in our life. Is that when we aren't sold out for our design, which comes from a designer. Yeah. Okay? If we're not sold out for the design we were created for, we're never going to be satisfied. Okay? We'll never be satisfied. It, it, just like if you took a, a, mug, a coffee mug and tried to screw in a, a screw into the wall or level a house with it. or You know what I mean? Especially if you start hammering a nail, it's just going to get cracked up and busted. See what I'm saying? And that's what our life is a lot of times. It's called frustrating our purpose, frustrating our design. And this is why as long as we are not serving the designer and following the designer 100%, We'll always be frustrated, we'll always be lacking, we'll always not have joy, we'll never be satisfied, we'll never be fulfilled, you know, simply because we are not doing what we were designed to do, okay, and, yeah, I could try to drive a nail in with this mug, you know what I mean, and if the mug was prideful, it would say, I can do it, you know, but it's not what it was designed to do, you know? And and so that's what we find a lot of people doing. Go over to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. We're going to be in Proverbs 12, 15, Proverbs 21, 2. And we'll also read Proverbs 14. It says right here, I'm going to write it up here, Proverbs 12, 15. It says right here, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, yeah. but a wise man listens to advice. <clears throat> Proverbs 21, 2. Says, every, man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Yeah. Listen, if you're designed to be a business owner, then you'll never be happy being anything else except a business owner. Now, that doesn't mean that that's where God wants you to be. You know what I mean? You're going to have to... What I mean by this is God's going to have to d design you for it. Mm -hmm. Okay? If, if you're created to be in ministry, but you keep on trying to be a business owner, you'll never be satisfied. You know? If you're trying to do anything that God didn't weigh in your heart. See? The Lord weighs the heart. You don't weigh your own heart. Yeah. You know? The Lord weighs the heart. First Corinthians. No, I'm not going to read that yet. Um, Proverbs fourteen twelve. Through fourteen, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. But its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache. Even and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. Okay? What defines you as a good man? A man who's following God after his after God's heart. Yeah. A good man isn't defined by what he did, is a man who seeks God with all of his heart. Um So here's the thing. A lot of times, man. 
Um, let's go over to Jeremiah verse 17. I mean, chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. <clears throat> this is right here. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That's Jeremiah 17, 9. All right, now what it's talking about here is a lot of people say, hey, let's follow your heart. Just follow your heart. The problem with that is your heart's sick. Follow your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So the thing about when and my brother James came in this morning and actually talked about how it's not just a defibrillator. You know, it's a heart transplant. You know, yeah. um, we're, we're talking about having a whole brand new heart concerning things. You can't, with your old heart, you can't follow the, the desires of your heart. A lot of people, they'll say, I've had people come, for instance, into our recovery program, and just a couple weeks into it, they're like, man, my son needs their dad. And so they're trying to follow their heart, but Matthew 13 says it's like when the word comes and the cares of the world come. See, this is why Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, you must hate your mother, hate your father, hate your brother, hate your sister, hate your wife, hate your children, hate even your own self. For if you don't know what it costs, you're going to lay down a foundation and you're not going to be able to finish and all who come by will mock at you saying you could never finish. I've had men come to the program that say, I'm tired of not being able to finish. Huh. I'm tired of not being able to follow through. Yeah. You know? And the reason why is because they keep following their heart mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of following the Lord. Which will cost them everything. But my children, I don't want them to stop loving me. You're following your heart. You're not following Jesus. Yeah. See, Jesus must be the, the first way you go through. You, everything else has to be abandoned. I know that sounds really heartless, but there's a problem <laughs> with our heart. If your heart is not sold out for God, then your heart's not right. It's sick. So it needs to be heartless. <laughs> If your heart's sick, it's good to be heartless. Because your heart's messed up anyway. If your heart is sick, if your heart is deceitful, then be heartless. Follow God. He's the one who knows the truth. You know, and that even everything I'm saying right now is going to sound like foolishness to some people. Yeah. Well, who are you talking about, Zach? Be heartless. Obviously, you don't know the, the power of the heart. The heart is sick. The heart is deceitful. Above all things, do not follow your heart. It will always lead to destruction. You're going to lead into a path that seems right in your own eyes. You think it's going to be okay, but the truth is your folly, your foolishness is all wrapped up in your heart. And if your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately sick, then you start trying to follow your heart, which is desperately sick. Yeah, but I thought I was supposed to love my family. You don't know the first thing about love if your heart's deceitful and sick. Your heart's screwed up. You have a misunderstanding about love. You're not making any sense, Zach. God said that you're supposed to love your family. And, and, you're, and you're telling me Jesus, Jesus said to hate your mother and your father and your brother and your sister and your wife and your children, even your own life. So what does he mean? You shouldn't be asking me what I'm saying because I ain't saying nothing. I'm just, I'm just quoting Jesus. 
Yeah. You know? So the question is, what does he mean by this? What he means by it is you must abandon all things. Because we don't know the first thing about love. We must completely scrap all that we know. You know? But I was supposed to build the house. Yeah, but you're a mug. I was supposed to be productive. What do you mean? Yeah, but you're a mug. What do you mean? I got a hard surface. I can hammer nails in. I'm heavy. If you swing me out, I'll, I'll make an impact. Mm -hmm. Truth is, we don't know what we are. A heart is deceitful. Man, I can do this. I can hammer this nail in. Next thing you know, you're busted. Because you lack wisdom. Yeah. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 through 31. It says, For the word of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 through 31. For the word of the cross is falling to those who are perishing, but to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach. To save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly or foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that... As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, the point is, God's wisdom is far beyond my understanding. So, if I'm going to live the life I was designed to live, I must stop looking at my life in the light of my own heart. Because I'm messed up in my thinking. Mm -hmm. I've got to submit myself to the Lord and say, I don't know squat. And I need you to teach me. Which means... You're going to have to abandon everything. You're going to have to get rid of everything. You're going to say nothing else in my life matters because if I started out one way and it was off, I'm going to be way off down the road. If I start off one degree wrong, then two miles down the road, I'm 100 miles away or whatever, you know, from my destination. So we got to scrap it all. We got to say, man, I'm not going to fall off my, my own heart. Numbers 1539. <coughs> You gotta get down to basics. You go to numbers fifteen thirty-nine. Again, we're talking about the heart.
And it shall be a tassel for you to look. No, that's not right. Oh, yeah, yeah. It shall be a tassel for you to look at. And remember, all the commandments of the Lord to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. Okay. It's self-worship. You shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. So it's talking about here right now, if we follow our own hearts, this is harsh right here. God is saying if we follow our hearts, we commit whoredom. It's adultery, spiritual adultery mm. for me to follow my own heart. This is why God says you must abandon everything. Why? Because all those things that are listed in Luke chapter 14, the cost of discipleship, you must love, you must hate your mother, hate your father, hate, because those are your, those are your loves. And when you start following Jesus, when you start following Jesus, he has to be your only love. Yeah. He has to be your one true love. And if you start trying to love these other people in place of Christ and try to make your decisions based off those people instead of off Christ, then it's whoredom because you commit spiritual adultery by loving those people in place of Christ. Christ must be number one, sold out, wholehearted. Then everything after that, he teaches. So what I got to do is I got to get these tools and say, hey, look, listen. Stop doing what you stop trying to, to eat steak with your hammer. Stop it. Yeah, but I'm supposed to be useful. Stop it. You don't you're not being useful. <laughs> you're causing more destruction. You know? Because you're not following God off your own, uh, you know, with all your heart. This is good stuff. Don't follow your heart. <coughs> follow God with all of your heart. It's good. So then we got to say, hey, what is the primary purpose? All right, we're going to build a house. Once we know our primary purpose, then we say, okay, what is my individual purpose, my personal purpose? All right, you're supposed to hammer nails. You're supposed to screw screws in the wall. You're supposed to um, frame up a house. You're supposed to cut boards. You see? But they all have a big purpose, and then they all have small purposes within that big purpose. Okay? That's good stuff. But if you don't know your primary purpose, then you frustrate your design. All right, check this out. Um, <clears throat> Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. Luke chapter, what is it, 9? 9. 9.57? <laughs> Not Heinz 57, 9.57. <laughs> as they were going along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said to him foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head to another he said follow me but he said Lord let me first go and bury my father and Jesus said to him leave the dead to bury their own dead Yeah. but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. <laughs> Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Than that. <laughs> Amen, bro. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you see that Jesus didn't try to talk people into following him? Mm -hmm. All he said was follow him. 
follow me. And they had to make a split-second decision to either follow him or not. See, the difference was, you know, when you have to try to defend yourself and try to defend what you're doing, hey, you really need this, man. You don't really believe it. Yeah. Mm. See, Jesus knew his, he knew the value of what he had, so he didn't have to talk nobody into it. He said, hey, follow me. Amen. And they tried to talk themselves out of it. Amen. Well, I mean, no, no, you don't get it. I don't have no time to waste with you. We're moving. We're going. We're not waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not. <laughs> no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. What does this mean? No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. This is, wow. What does it mean? It means that they're not wholehearted. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit. They're not focused on the job at hand. They're focusing on what they've already done. <coughs> yeah. Wow. That's a good one. If you look back, you're not fit. Mm. If you look back, you're not fit. What's this mean? It means there's something in your heart. That wants to go back. That's, that's, this is dangerous. Look, yeah. I was talking to, we're going to read, we're going to read Jonah here in a minute. Um, and we, I was talking earlier with, uh, with, with James and I was talking about how, how come we, nowadays in our churches, the pastors seem to only relate with Jonah, the people who ran from God. And there's very few people in, in the scriptures that actually were successful, that looked back. Jonah's rare. Jonah was rare that he would look back and still follow God. And then even in the end, his heart was not in it. We'll see that here in a minute. He resented following God. If you are resentful, if you look back, you're not fit. Jonah was not fit to be a prophet. He wouldn't do the easy work. He wasn't fit because he looked back in his heart. He was looking back. And so many times we see pastors say, man, I really didn't want to serve God. Look, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be, it's not going to challenge your faith. Man, I've always wanted to serve God wholeheartedly. I didn't see another option. I knew I wouldn't be happy doing anything else. Yeah. You know? And it's because of this frustrating your purpose thing. I realized that about myself, you know? Put yourself in the wrong person's hands. If I take my guitar and I hand it to my two-year-old, what's going to happen to that guitar, you know? <laughs> That's what we do with our lives. We we are, we, we, we don't trust the one being in the world that has been here for ages upon eons. Yet we want to put our own life in our own hands and we're like a little two-year-old. We know nothing. We know nothing and we don't even know who we are. But he knows who we are. He designed us. Yeah. We got to take our, we got to take our lives and, we're men that we don't know the first thing about being a man. We didn't design ourselves. We don't know nothing about us. We got to take our life and hand ourselves to the man maker and says, make something out of me. Yeah. You know, and submit to it. And man, it's good stuff. Mm. Looking back, not fit. This is anyone who looks back. If you look back, you'll, you'll, here's what happens. 
You start to follow God, but then you begin to resent it. Just like the people of Israel who left Egypt, got into the wilderness, and said, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you left us to die in the wilderness? Those people began to complain. They began to grumble and complain. And they died in the wilderness. Go over here to Numbers chapter 14, verse 20 through 24. <coughs> Numbers. Uh, chapter 14. Verse 20 through 24. And the Lord replied, I've forgiven them. See what happened was they started complaining and whatnot and they brought back an evil report and it, Moses cried out for forgiveness. And he says, I've forgiven them. As you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the, of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will enter, will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt. Do you treat God with contempt? Looking back. This is what he's talking about. They kept looking back. It's not fit. You treat God with contempt when you look back. Contempt. Can you Google that meaning of that word contempt? It says, not, no one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. You find it? Mm -hmm. The feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration or worthless or deserving scorn. Wow. Ah, I can't believe I'm doing this ministry. It's just, ugh, beneath me. Or whatever, you know what I mean? When you resent the call of God in your life, that's what it is. Yeah. When you think it's not... I gotta make plaques. I was called to be a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I making plaques? You know? I'm telling you. I gotta clean the bathroom. I... Yeah. Woo! It's good stuff. So, pour some coffee here. Give me some <laughs> juices. <laughs> Grumble and complain. They treated God with contempt. Alright, check this out. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Let that sink in. He didn't just obey God reluctantly. He said, we are well able to take it. We'll find this for you. So good. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Man, this guy, he was like 40 years old at this time. It says, At the end of the 40 days, let's go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, Numbers 13, 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to the Moses and Aaron, and to all the congregation, the people of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land, and they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and, that, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. <laughs> and besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land, da-da-da-da, right? 
And he says, but Caleb quieted the people. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who, who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And they and there we saw the Nephilim, that's the giants. And look, whenever they believe that report, huh? What is it, Genesis? What, what are you asking? Numbers chapter 13. No, that's cool. Watch this. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation, the people of Israel, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then the, the congregation said, that, said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? We see that as, Oh, they're, they're being wise. Why go in the land when there's giants? In earthly wisdom. God says when we choose to look at the giants in the land that we despise him. <laughs> if we choose to look at the, the, the hurdles and the mountains that are in the way, the things of impossibility, and we say, oh, it's not going to work out. The scripture says right here, how long will this people despise me? Yeah. If we look back and say it's too big for me, the calling you have for me, God, is too much. I can't do it. God says that you despise Him. It's hard. It's a hard word. What it is is we exalt our opinion above God's opinion. The heart is deceitful. Our doubt is actually despised for God's word. When we will operate in unbelief and don't believe the word of God and the report of God for us, we despise God. When we grumble and complain, we despise God. God takes it personal. That's crazy. I just thought, you know, well, God's, God, how could God take that personally? I mean, that's in my head, I'm thinking that, that don't make no sense, but he says right here, they despise me. How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done from among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and, dis and disinherit them. And I'll make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Talking to Moses. Moses says, then the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought these people out in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They, they have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of the people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard you or your fame will say, is, it, is, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. 
And now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. This is Moses being the priest, man, going on behalf of God, of, his, of the people, saying, please don't destroy the people. You know, he says, then the Lord said, I'll, I'll pardon according to your word. But truly, as I live, none of them are going to enter the promised land. Right? It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. All right. So, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went into. <coughs> and his descendants will inherit that inherit it. All right. So look at, let's look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 32. Matthew 21. Wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness is the key. Wholeheartedness. Now, listen, there's a problem here. Matthew 28, 20, uh, Matthew 21, verse 28 through 32. Listen, I think this, this passage right here is misunderstood a lot. A lot of people think, well, if I just obey God, even if I don't want to, isn't that good enough? Let's look at Matthew 21, verse 28 through 20, 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. According to Hebrews chapter 4, where is the mind? It's in the heart. Your heart is made up of soul and spirit. So he actually, he changed. He had a change of heart. This is good. Watch this. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He said, he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you and to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is not referring to the ability to serve half-heartedly. It's talking about lip service. How people say, yeah, I'll do it. I will tell you what you want to hear. And then they don't do it. He's saying those people are the ones that don't enter into salvation. He's saying that people who even said, I, I'm not going to do it. But they had a change in their mind, which is in their heart. Okay? Your inner being. Their heart was changed. It was a repentance from the heart. Their mind was changed. It's not saying that you can do it half-heartedly. This, this scripture verse is misquoted and misunderstood. They think, well, even if it, uh, half obedience is better than no obedience. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that the other people said, I will, but in their heart they did not. Jesus always took it to the heart level. He said, if you're, who is he talking to? The, the Pharisees. He says, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, what were the Pharisees? They were the people who talked a good talk, who walked a good walk, but in their heart they were wrong. Hmm. So he's talking, he's, he's comparing the Pharisees to the second son, who says, I will do it, but they did not do it. Right here, right here, right here. And you notice the first son who says, I won't do it, says he had a change of mind, and then he did do it. What's this show you? When you have a change of heart, the deeds will happen. Yeah. 
Just because you say you will doesn't mean that your heart's right, which means you actually don't fulfill. It's when you have a change of heart that you actually do it. God's not looking for the person who will say, oh, I guess I'll do it reluctantly. This is not talking about a reluctant giver. This is talking about somebody who had a change of heart, who their mind was changed. They have a repentance in their inner being. And they said, I need to do something. Mm. I need to obey. Yeah. This person got convicted about disobeying the Lord and decided, I will follow the Lord. It's not talking about half-hearted Christianity. A lot of people think that's what it's talking about. I know that when I read it the first time, I thought it was talking about half-hearted. Well, at least half-hearted is better than no heart at all. He's saying the problem was the heart from the beginning. Yeah. Both of them had the same problem. The first son had a heart problem. That's why he said no. The second son had a heart problem. That's why he said yes and didn't do it. The one who got his heart right was the one who said, no, I won't. And he changed his heart. And they said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And he followed God wholeheartedly. All right. <clears throat> Psalm 91, verse 14 through 16. Psalm 91, verse, did I say 14? Through 16. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. We're talking about this, this love relationship with God. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. He will be with me. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Matthew, um, so what it comes down to, well, check this out. What it comes down to is love. If you love God, Listen, listen, listen. How do you know you're intimate with somebody? If I have an intimate relationship with somebody else, the evidence is shown when you go through a hard time. Yeah. Watch this. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him. He will call on me and I will answer. This is intimacy. What's the sign of true intimacy? When you're going through a hard time, who's there? Check this out. If I love you, my heart will rejoice when you are rejoicing. When you're having a good time, I'm going to be happy. When you're sad, I'm going to be sad. Yeah. Why? Because my heart is linked up to your heart. I feel it. I remember being in sixth grade. My two best friends... Brent and Brandon, at the time. I, I was committed to them, man. One day I found out their family, their, their mother, mom and dad were going to get a divorce. And my heart broke. And I sat there in the front row with them, crying with them. They were crying, and I was crying. I couldn't help it, because I was connected. And I, I, my heart was broken for what broke their heart. Yeah. You know? It's an intimate relationship. You can only have, your heart can, listen. If your heart's not breaking for what breaks God's heart, then you're not intimate with him. Mm -hmm. If your heart doesn't break for what breaks God's heart, then you don't, you have a problem with your love with him. Because love brings intimacy with God. This is the evidence that you love God. Yeah. You love what he loves and you despise what he despises. It's good stuff. Check this out. Matthew 
John, first John 4, 19 through 21. First John, what does it say? First John 4, 19 through 21. It says right here, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now you see that the love of God comes before the love of the brother and the love of the sister. Because when you love God, he teaches you what true love is. When you follow God wholeheartedly, he teaches you what it really means. Okay, Matthew 22 talks about the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart. All your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, If I speak in tongues, or if I prophesy, or if I do miracles, but I have not love, I am nothing. Again, we're getting back to the primary purpose. Primary purpose? You know what your primary purpose is? Love God. You know what your secondary purpose is? Love people. Rooted in love of God. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than, laid, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's good stuff. James 1, 15. Uh, we're not going to go there. Let's go to Jonah. Close out with Jonah here. Jesus is awesome. <clears throat> I'm having a hard time finding Jonah. It's a little book. It's only four chapters. Should have kept my finger in it. Jonah, right there. If you have an ESV Bible, <laughs> page 775. <laughs> Alright. Watch this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you stop, when you, listen, when you run from what God has for you, you run from the presence of the Lord. That's good. That was Jonah what? Jonah, we're in Jonah. Just the, just the whole book of Jonah. Okay. He went, there's was only four chapters. It's, it's all that right there. Okay. Jonah, so he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he, he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. When you stop following Jesus, you run away from the presence of the Lord. He went to the ends of the earth, by the way. See, back then, the ends of the earth was Tarshish. Tarshish was Spain. It was the end of the world, of the known world. He ran as far as he could to get away, to get away from God. Okay. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled, hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. <coughs> but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid, lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? 
Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one, one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? By the way, when you start following God, you can't get away with nothing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I get tickets all the time for going speeding. I just <laughs> I can't pull over. It's not even funny. I can't live a life of non-integrity. I'm found out. Okay? Yeah. Whenever you don't live a life of integrity, you're found out. Just know that. Uh, let's see here. You can't live in darkness anymore. When you really want in the light, when when you have a calling in your life to live in the light, you can't you can't keep in the darkness. It's crazy. Amen. Um What is your country? And what, where do you come from? What's your country and what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. No, you don't. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be running. You would have been afraid of the sun. I mean, there's a big storm going on. <laughs> and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Listen, when you start, listen, when you run away from the presence of the Lord, not only does your life fall to pieces, but everyone else around you is affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. Jonah was following his own heart. I ain't going to go that way. That's uncomfortable. He starts running away, running from the presence of God. Listen, it's not even, listen. When you walk out of the presence of the Lord, all the protection's gone. Yeah. He left the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and attempt just, attempt, uh, 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 this uh, whatever thing comes, right? All right, check this out. Nevertheless, the, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. This is so good. Guys, Scripture says, you will not abandon me in the pit. When he did this, I believe the presence of God came back right then. All right, sorry. All right. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temp tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. <coughs> then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. That's awesome. Jonah just led a whole boat to the Lord. <laughs> Even in your backsliding. Even in your backsliding, if you choose to follow the Lord, God can bring out good. Amen. <laughs> This is so uh, good. Like, <laughs> now, was it God's will for him to go? No, obviously not. But even though he repented, in his repentance, he brought others to the Lord. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So good. Mm. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. 
from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves <coughs> and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. But he ran away. <laughs> the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars close upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. Y'all see how much this is correlating with Jesus Christ? So prophetic. Oh Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. By the way, there's so much parallels here. Those who pay, man, this is, Solomon was, when he was praying over the temple, he said, no matter how far we go off, if we pray towards the temple, you'll hear me in your temple. Anyway, that was just a side note. Okay, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. He's in his pit, guys. Listen, he is in the middle of it all. He's in the thick of it, yet he chooses to thank God. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. But I have vowed I will pay salvation. What I have vowed I will pay. In other words, I'm going to follow through with what I said. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. It took three days to walk across this city. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Right then. Immediate. You know what he thought he was afraid of? He was afraid of going because these people were exceedingly wicked. And you know what Jonah wanted? He wanted them to get what they deserved. Listen, you know what makes you a righteous man? Faith and obedience. Jonah was in the same boat them people were when he started disobeying the Lord. It's about faith and obedience, regardless whether they turn or not. If God tells you to do something, you do it. Period. Don't follow your heart. Follow God. Yeah. Don't go, lean on your own understanding. Just lean on, on God. It doesn't matter if those people turned or not. If, Jonah, if God said, Jonah, I want you to go and tell those people, that's all he was required to do. But he had a, a heart issue. A heart issue against the people. He did care about God. He feared the Lord. But he didn't care about the people. Check this out. Check that out. First of all, that's the reason why he didn't go. And we'll find out here in a minute. He didn't go because he didn't love God. He didn't go, he didn't go because he didn't love people. Which the scripture says, you can't really love God unless you love his people. Check this out. The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. <laughs> Their word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. They repented, dude. It's crazy. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. This is so good. Jonah didn't say that. 
Jonah said, in 40 days you're going to all die. But they believed something bigger. Jonah didn't even bring the good news. He only, bre- he only brought condemnation. And those people had faith for good news that Jonah didn't even speak. This is good. See, this is the thing about the prophet. This is the thing about the man of God. The man of God can bring a negative word, but if he doesn't ever bring the good news, his heart's not in it. Yeah. It's good stuff. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful. Bad prophet. Bad prophet. Bad prophet. You knew that he was merciful and slow to anger and you didn't preach it? Didn't even preach it. All he said was God's going to overthrow you and kill you all. Not wholehearted in it. We'll see this in a second. Check this out. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, I, lo- oh Lord, please t- listen. This shows you you can be a called by God and not be good at what you're doing. The calling and giftings of God are without repentance. God does not repent from what he's given you to do. You're the one who makes the best of it or not. It's good stuff. It's not God, oh, well, God made a mistake. No, he, he knew what was in Jonah. He knew the calling. Jonah was called before the foundations of the world. But Jonah never got the heart of God. This, this, this is awesome. All right. Therefore, I, oh, Lord, watch this, watch this. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, look now, oh Lord, please take my life from me. Oh my gosh, drama queen. Shut up, Jonah. Are you kidding me? Please take my life from me. Just let me die. Just kill me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Oh my gosh, Jonah. Yeah, of course it's better for you to die than to live because you're not fulfilling your purpose. He's not fulfilling his purpose. He thought he was supposed to bring the, the hard hand of God. Dude, you're supposed to bring the good news of God. What you, like I said, <clears throat> the, the, the prophet's supposed to be like a priest, praying on behalf as a mediator for the people. But no. It's crazy, right? So what my point is this. It proves to me you can have men of God out there that run mega churches. Mega churches. Called by God. But something's wrong in their heart. Yeah. You see? That's why I don't speak against the man of God. I don't slander other pastors. And other preachers. You know why? Because they're called by God. They may not give the full message. They may only give half of a message. Just like Jonah did. But that doesn't change their calling and their anointing. That's why I don't speak against... I'm just going to name it. There's, nah, I don't want to name it. There's a big name preacher. That I totally disagree with half what he says. And I, I used to speak against this man. Then I met a woman one time who says, yeah, I got saved. I said, when did you get saved? I was listening to this certain man on, on television. I got saved. Uh, swung, swung preaching. Yeah. This guy got, pre- this person got saved listening to this person's message. Yeah. I'm like, how can you get saved listening to so-and-so? The guy's from the devil. That's what I thought. And it hit me. Scripture says, Jesus says to his disciples, they come out and says, hey, there's another group over here. They're casting demons, but they're not with us. He says, if they're not, if they're not against us, they're for us. Because yeah. they can't preach my name long enough yeah. until they start following me. 
And so I, it hit me, boom, like a ton of bricks. Do not come against the man of God, mm. whether he is perfect in his words or not. Yeah. Do not come against the man of God. He's called by the Lord for a reason. He may be messing things up, but obviously that person got saved. There's fruit. <sighs> now he may be leading some stuff a little bit astray and he'll be held accountable for that on judgment day. But I am not the judge. Maybe show me later. <clears throat> Watch this. Let me die. Better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? All right, this is why I laugh when people get angry here. When people get mad at, mad at me when I do that and they think I'm scoffing at them. I'm just laughing because I just see their foolishness. Okay? And I see the truth. He's like, do you do well to be angry? <laughs> Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east. He's like, hey, does that make you feel better? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should... See. He threw a little fit, man. He threw a little temper tantrum. He thought, that, he thought that God would value Jonah's life more than Nineveh's life. So he goes up here to sit and pop popcorn and watch his show. Watch. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would have become of the city. He's waiting. He thought that by throwing a fit, God just kill me now. Throw in a little hissy fit and go over here and pop popcorn and watch the city burn now. No. <laughs> so funny. That's what we do, man. It's, it's so funny. He sat under in the shade till he could see what would happen of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and, it, it, and made it come up over Jonah. That it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Why? Because Jonah worshipped comfort. Jonah worshipped comfort. Could you imagine he preached that they would all die in 40 days when they didn't die? What, what a fool it made him look like. So we don't think about that. He didn't preach the good news. He only preached condemnation. So when they didn't die, could you imagine? Even, oh, Jonah's not even... Some people might even say, oh, he's not a real prophet. Crazy. Alright. Now the Lord appointed... A plant and made it come up over, right? To save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. <laughs> Let me give you a little something and take it away from me, right? When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah. Oh, he made it worse. He not only ate up the plant with the worm, then he put an east wind and brought heat like a, like a torch blowing it on Jonah. It's so funny. Now that's small judgment, by the way. He was unrepentant in his heart. Who deserved to burn? Nineveh? Or Jonah? You know? But it's still mercy. Look at this. Still mercy. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. <laughs> and the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Look at this. Look at this. 
we have these rights. We think, oh, well, I deserve this, you know? Such He's such a baby. Jonah's such a baby, man. That's such a little crybaby. It's so funny. He, 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 didn't, he didn't care about the plant. He cared about himself. Mm-hmm. He loved himself. Loved himself. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Even God cares about the cattle. That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> this is so good. Uh, I wrote in here, it makes you wonder how many prophets out of passion and defending the Lord's name had the Jonah complex and found it hard to forgive like God did. You know, my point is this. That's how it ends. That's how the book of Jonah ends. There's no resolution for Jonah. He's still a half-hearted prophet. You know? He didn't learn. He didn't grow. You know? And my point is this, man. Um, If we love God, we have to be wholehearted. Even things that look like foolishness, we have to realize God's wisdom is greater. We have to trust Him and follow Him anyway. And we have to understand, too, that true wisdom is found in love. True wisdom is found in love. Jesus is the perfect wisdom of God, and He is the love of God. God is love. He manifested in Jesus Christ. So if we want to know wisdom, we need to know Jesus. If we want to know love, we got to know Jesus. If we want to follow God wholeheartedly and be satisfied in our life, we must follow God wholeheartedly and not trust in our own understanding. So anyway, that pretty much wraps it up. I just want to share that with you all. So being wholehearted, man. Jesus is awesome. Praise God. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for making us wholehearted Christians. And not just lip service and not just even doing it out of obligation. But Lord, let us follow you wholeheartedly and let us love you wholeheartedly and love your people wholeheartedly. And let us have a, a, a heart that breaks for what breaks your heart. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Sure. <laughs> so you a trash can? Huh? Dang, how long was that one? Two hours. Hour 20 almost. Probably hour 15. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion Ministry Podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information or support please visit our website at www.boldasalignministries.com subscribe to our facebook for updates on what god is doing in our ministries and our youtube page for updated teachings hosted at the barracks discipleship and recovery house for weekly refreshing word subscribe to our podcast on itunes google play soundcloud or podomatic we pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for god 